Um, yeah, friends, it is really awesome to uh, be able to share the word this morning. Net to my help, my. I get stärker out of The younger one, excuse. Word cases. Um, so I was uh, thinking about this this morning that there is a consistency to God that cannot change because God does not change. God is peace. God is joy. God is love. God is good. And when you and I position ourselves in Him, then who He is becomes ours. That you can be in goodness irrespective of your circumstances. You can be filled with joy. You can be filled with peace. You can be filled with love, the completeness of love, not the airy-fairy Valentine's Day love. Love, God is love. The very essence of love can become yours when you are in Christ and you choose to remain in Christ where what's happening in your emotional state is not dependent on what's happening around you. Isn't that good news? That you as a believer, as a child of God, can have a consistency on your life because of the one in whom you are. Not because of our works, not because of the things we do, but just based on who God is. In our uh, series, we're in week two of our miracle series, and we just came out of our prayer and fast week, and maybe you missed last week. You'll see that we have our prayer boards up, and they'll be there throughout the year, where we are writing down certain things that we are trusting God for. And I hope that what you put on that board are things that you are not able to accomplish in your own strength. That God will come and establish a foundation of faith in this church because He's called us to the nations. And we will not reach the nations apart from faith. God needs to come and do a work in us that we cannot do ourselves. When we think about miracles, whom of you have prayed for someone who is sick and then they were healed? Amen. Some of you have prayed for someone who is sick and then they were not healed. Okay, um, I spoke to, to Hansi in the week just to get a little bit of a catch up and, and just to uh, talk and he once said, no, he's prayed for someone and then later they died. So that's also happened. <laughs> Sorry, Hansi, for exposing you. Um, but here's the thing about miracles. You see, there's sometimes stuff that we see on TV that causes us to stand back and say, oh, that looks suspicious. Um, and I don't want to err on the side of, of things that are not biblical, but then we err on the other side where we don't take any risks, where we're not trusting God to do things that are impossible. When you read your Bible, there are things that God does that would be absolutely impossible. We uh, spoke last week about the, um, uh, Peter and, and, was it Peter and John that, um, said to the lame man, get up and walk, and his ankles were strengthened in that moment where God touches someone and there is a healing that takes place, a creative miracle where limbs can grow back, where the blind eyes can be opened. That is the God whom we serve. Is there anything impossible for God? No. If you say yes, you are not true to Scripture. There's nothing that is impossible for God. So what are the parameters of miracles. And what I mean by parameters is what sets the possibilities of what, what type of miracles are possible. The first one is God's character. 
God's character is the first perimeter for what type of miracles God wants to come and do. His character, that He is good, that He is um, steadfast, that He is a God of integrity, that He is a God who is holy, who is pure and perfect in all of His ways, and then also His nature. Who He is, His ability. Those are the perimeters for miracles, not your past, not your own understandings, not your experiences, not your surroundings, not a sea that falls down, but God. He is the perimeters for miracles. And when we, need to, when we align ourselves and we position ourselves there, we give God the stage. Work according to who you are, not according to who I think you are. Amen? And then what's the purpose? God's goodness. God does miracles to declare His goodness if you read stories in the Bible, you'll see that God performed miracles where many of them did not even um, start to believe in Him. But God did miracles so that, God, that people would know the goodness of God. The Scripture says that it's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. So be careful. God's goodness over your life is not a sign of His approval. Now, God is good, and He declares His goodness. Secondly, it is God's greatness. His ability, His power. God works miracles to declare His greatness over all of creation, spiritual and natural. And then thirdly, it's for His glory. Ultimately, it is all for the glory of God that His name will be worshipped. Amen. That is not the sermon. This morning we are going into uh, John 6, and um, if you know the story, it's where Jesus feeds the 5,000. Some of you have had a gathering like that. Uh, some Indian weddings can get close to that, right? But um, Jesus um, feeds the 5,000, and we're going to go into that text today. But interesting, the, the book of John is written obviously by John, and he is the self-proclaimed disciple whom Jesus loves. Um, he said it about himself, so it must be true. And then John says in, um, in John 20, he gives us the reason for his letter, the whole gospel of John. And he says, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. All of this is written that you may believe that Jesus is God, and in believing in him that you may have life. So all of these stories are for encouragement, for knowledge, and all of that, but ultimately to declare to your soul and your spirit that Jesus is God. And when you align yourself with the truth that Jesus is God, that you may have life. Let's pray. Father, we pray that as we go into the word this morning, Lord, your word holds ultimate authority, and we come and submit our soul and our flesh with your word. Speak to our spirits this morning, Lord. Call us to where you are. Declare to us the things, Lord, that are unknown, the mysteries of your kingdom. Declare them to us this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So John 6. John 6. I'm going to read portions of it, and then we'll uh, do a little bit of an um, uh, text reading, and we'll, we'll break it open a bit as we go. But many of you know the story where uh, the crowds gather together, and then there's this multitude of people, but they do not have food. So in verse 2, and this is where we'll pick it up 
the text will not be on the board, so you can either listen really well or you can open up your Bible. John 6 verse 2 says, Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs. So the works of Jesus have been made known. They hear about these things that Jesus do, these miracles that he performs, and now this draws people. It's like when you drive on the N1 and there's a, an accident on the other side, and then your lane is slow. It's like, guys, just drive. It's got nothing to do with you. Um, but when we drive, we're like, and then your lane is slow. That's what's happening here. There's a commotion, and it draws attention. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and he, there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover feast, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, toward him he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? So he's posing the question to his disciples. And there's a need. These people have gathered, and they are hungry. They've been here for a long time. Where shall we buy bread? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. So Jesus asked a rhetorical question, and he asked this question to test his disciples. Do you believe that God can sometimes allow certain things or bring you to a place to test you? Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted by the devil for 40 days who led him into the wilderness the spirit of god led jesus into that place where he needed to be tested in the same way that you and i sometimes will be tested but jesus asks him a question but jesus already knows what he is going to do now something that you see often in jesus ministry is that he would be ministering to people but regularly he would withdraw himself so that he can spend time with the father one chapter back, John 5, 19, Jesus said this, Truly, truly, I say to you, so the son, of, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, so that the Son does likewise. Jesus was on earth in flesh. His Father is positioned in heaven. But he says whatever he sees the Father doing, where does Jesus see the Father doing something? In that time of prayer. In that intimacy moment where he withdraws himself and he positions himself so that he can hear the voice of his father. Church, if you want to make it in life, if you want to live a life that honors God, where miracles and signs and wonders and all of this is possible, you need to be trained to hear the voice of your father. So Jesus steps into this impossible moment. Where will we buy bread for these people? But he already knew what he was going to do because he has already seen what the Father has done. The Father showed him in the Spirit, this is what I am going to do. So when the Son then comes in alignment with his Father, the miracle has already taken place in the Spirit. It's now just being pulled into the natural. You and I get to live the same type of lives. Where we get to see the Father doing something in the Spirit. And you and I walk out and God shows you something and he's already done it. We're not uh, manipulating or twisting or pleading with God to come and do something. He's already done it. And now likewise, as the son does the will of the father, you and I get to do the will of our father. Philip answered him, 200 denarii would, worth of bread is not sufficient. So maybe that's how much they had in their money bags. 
would not be sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? There's a guy here who has a little bit. I don't even know why he brought that up. <laughs> it's like, there's a guy here who has five barley loaves and two little fish, but what are they among so many? Maybe there's others here that also brought lunch, and they can all bring their lunch boxes, and we can just have a good family meal. What do you have? What do you have? And there's two very significant things just in that moment there. What has God given to you? Oh, wow. <laughs> what has God given to you? And are you willing to bring it? You see, sometimes we look at what we have and we think this isn't enough even for myself, and then we hold on to the things that God has given us. What can God do with what you have if you are willing to bring it to Him? Jesus gives them this instruction. Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. Praise Him. So the men sat down, because remember, this is a desert land. I don't know if you've ever been to Israel. So there was much grass. Praise the Lord. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, in number about 5,000. They only counted, they only mentioned the men. 5,000 men, not mentioning the women and the children. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks to his Father, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise the fish, as much as they wanted. So Jesus saw the Father doing something. And he comes in agreement with the Father and he says, bring this. We give thanks to the Father for what he has already done. And then he gives this back to whom? His disciples. And he gives them the instruction, go and distribute to the people as much as they want. Because there is no resource lack where my Father is at. There is no resource lack where my Father is at. Whom of you have seen someone else get a financial breakthrough or a miracle and you were thinking to yourself sure god i wish that was mine but that maybe that has now um, emptied your resource for this month maybe next month you've got enough again to give no god can bless in abundance because he has no resource lack but here's an important key last year our theme was abide Jesus is the vine, we are the branches, and he calls us to abide because apart from him, we can do some things, nothing. But here's an important thing. The branches cannot bear fruit apart from the vine, correct? Can the vine bear fruit apart from the branches? Wow. Jesus makes himself one with us. To say that his fruit bearing is dependent on us also. As we are dependent on the vine, the vine is also dependent on us so that his works may be made known through us. Jesus gives it back to his disciples and says, this job belongs to you. Go and feed the people. He gives it back to us. If you are a disciple of Jesus, now there is no distinction between Christian and disciple. A Christian isn't a born again and a disciple is someone who's radical. No, if you choose to follow Jesus, you are called a disciple. And the purpose of being a disciple is so that God will be made known. He wants to work through us. He wants to reveal himself through us. 
So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets. How many disciples were there? Wow. Filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves and which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. So it's a beautiful full circle story. These people come, they've seen the signs, now they get fed by Jesus supernaturally. Jesus teaches his disciples something about being dependent on the Father, seeing what the Father does, stepping into faith and obedience in that. But then he empowers them and says, you go and feed the people and they get to be the avenue, the channel by which God meets the needs of the people. The people now again see the signs and they say, this is definitely the prophet who will come from heaven. So now they believe in him, right? So for us as a church, when we position ourselves to hear from the Father what he has already done, we step into these places where we allow God to move through us. People will declare that Jesus is Lord. Amen. So we can pray right now and close that story. But I feel there's a second part. <laughs> the first part was the encouragement. The second part is more the, the call. Where God is calling us for more. So if you read verse 15. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. So again, it's that place where uh, Jesus withdraws. But he perceived that they wanted to come and take him by force and make him king. So they've seen him do the signs, and now they want to put him in place. Now you are now the king by force. And in the next passage there, we see that the disciples get into the boat. They go over the Sea of Galilee, and they're on the way to Capernaum. And then Jesus walks to them on water. Um, and then they are on the other side. And we pick up the story just want to see where my notes is at. They pick up the story and we'll go from verse 22. So on the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except that one which his disciples had entered and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Beautiful. So yesterday they received food and they were encouraged and they saw this miracle. And now they're getting on their boats over the Sea of Galilee, get to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Beautiful. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus answered, and, answered them and said, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek, me not, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. You're not really here for me. You're here because you're hungry again. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life 
which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Ah, we as people. Then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? So Jesus does this miracle. He feeds them. They come over the Sea of Galilee. Jesus, when did you come here? And then Jesus says, no, you're not here for me. You're here because yesterday you ate and now you are hungry again. You want more food. But do not labor for that which perishes because tomorrow you will be hungry again. There is a different type of food that the Father brings. And here's what they ask. How can we also do this work of turning uh, five loaves and two fishes into a lot of food? Maybe it's for their own personal family, just to feed their family. Maybe they saw a job opportunity, like a, a business opportunity. Like, man, if I can do this with this, that's a good income. They're not seeking him. Yes, yes, we hear you, but how can we also do the works that you do? How can we also do the very thing so that we can still get the blessing, but not necessarily you? We just want the things from God. And then Jesus says, Jesus answered them and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. You want to do the works of God? This is the work of God, that you will believe in the one whom he has sent. Therefore they said to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Hello, yesterday you saw the miracle. What sign will you perform this time, Jesus, that I can really believe in you? Sometimes there's a testimony on your past where God has shown himself faithful, where he's shown his word faithful, and now you come to another challenge in your life, and again you position yourself, okay, Jesus, what will you do? What work will you do? How will you answer this time my prayer so that I can really believe that you are God? Oh, we of little faith. What sign will you do this time, Jesus? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. Remember how God provided for them for 40 years, manna from heaven. Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. When they declared in the previous passage that this is truly the, the prophet that will come from heaven, they weren't declaring him as God. They were proclaiming him as the one who will liberate them from all of their earthly challenges. And when they wanted to put him into place as king, it wasn't as king over all of creation. It was just as a king who will come and take them out of the Roman oppression that will alleviate their current needs. They weren't fixing their eyes on the things that are unseen. Will you now liberate us from the Roman government? Will you now bring an end to this poverty and maybe this slavery, this abuse of the people of God? Have you come now to establish your kingdom? No, he's come to establish his kingdom, his eternal kingdom, not our kingdom. God, will you now come into this nation and sort out corruption? Uh, maybe I'm concerned about the corruption in your heart that will keep you out of eternity. Lord, will you come now and deal with the poverty? Maybe I'm also concerned about the poverty in your spirit. Because he's setting up an eternal kingdom. How long will it take? As long as it is needed. He's not slow as some count slowness, but he is patient so that all can come to repentance. Because he's building an eternal kingdom. My study notes in my Bible says, um, when they responded, this is truly the prophet 
It reflects the popular belief that a prophet like Moses who fed the Israelites with manna would come into this world to establish an earthly paradise. Oh, friends, so often we want Jesus to come and establish an earthly paradise. And then if you can't find it in South Africa, maybe you should go to Australia or Canada or somewhere else where there's an earthly paradise. This sparked their messianic fervor and they wanted to establish Jesus as their political bread messiah. Jesus is not your bread Messiah to come and attend to all of your earthly needs. He's concerned about your spirit. He's concerned about the spirit of people. And sometimes he will allow certain things in this nation to happen because what is inside of our spirits needs to come out so that it can be dealt with, so that you can be set up for your eternity. There is much more at stake. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. Praise him. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this that I shall give is my flesh, of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. They asked him in verse 33, and then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. Lord, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Here's the key, church. They ask him, says, there's bread that you can eat of, that you will never remain hungry again, but it leads to eternal, everlasting life. And this bread has been made available to you. And now they cry out and they say to him, but give us this bread always. I am the bread of life, Jesus says. How do you receive it? Come to me. See, that's always been the invitation. Mark 1 verse 16, Jesus calls the first disciples, come, follow me. Come to me if you are heavy laden and weary. If you want the bread of life, come to me. That has always been the invitation. It is still the invitation today, and it will always be the invitation. Will we come to Jesus. You see, many people saw the signs. Many people heard the teachings of Jesus, but they weren't truly willing to come. They set up a lifeline that was parallel to the life of Jesus, where they were in close enough proximity to see the signs and to hear the teachings, but they weren't willing to forsake theirs for His. where the price to become a follower of Christ was maybe just a little bit too high, to let go of whatever it is that you are holding on to right now, to forsake what you have so that you can grab hold of Him and all who He is. But for some, that price was a little bit too high. Some of them might even truly believe that He is the Son of God, that He is God Himself. But whether it was their comfort, the stability they found in their finances, um, their spheres of influence that was very great for them, it was just too much to lay down. Because following Jesus did mean in that time ridicule, persecution, exile. Church, we are heading into an era where it will not be popular for you to be a Christian. Because there are philosophies and ideas that are being positioned as truth that is not true according to the Bible. And there is only one absolute ultimate truth, and that is Christ. 
And now when you hold a position according to the scripture, you are not just seen as someone who holds a different opinion, you are seen as the enemy. It will not be a popular thing for you to be follow, a follower of Christ. And the Bible says that in the last days, that split will become very evident. Where you can be a nominal Christian and walk parallel to Jesus, but not really follow him. That split will become very evident. Because the cost to follow Christ is real. I want to um, conclude, but I don't know how long this conclusion will be. Um, recapping on the prayer and fast week, this um, week was quite, like I had a really big expectation for God for me. Um, I'll, I'll admit publicly, I didn't pray so much for the church this week. Um, I was a bit selfish with my time, and because there's a lot of stuff that I'm pressing into for, for me and for us as a family. God, what, is, what are you saying to us? What does God need to establish in my life again? And I was reflecting on my journals. Um, I don't know if you are a journaler. Um, if you are not, it's a good habit. But if you read my journals, you know what's happening in my life completely. Like, um, some people should not read my journals. Uh, I would not be allowed to preach if you <laughs> read all of my journal notes. Because I'm very vulnerable in that space with God. Because He knows it anyway, right? I mean, what uses it to hide something from God? Um, and I was going back... Um, some places where we were praying for children, uh, maybe four or five years ago, stepping in for myself where my faith is dwindling or stepping in for Rehet where she might be going through a tough time um, and just trying to hold ourselves true to the words that God has spoken over us. But then there's a theme that I saw running through my journals where I would come to God and plead for greater intimacy with Him, for a deeper prayer life with Him. Now, if I can be very honest with you, some of the things that I wrote six years ago, I can still write today. And I was, it got me thinking and reflecting, have I pressed in? Have I grown in my relationship with God in certain areas? Um, and it wasn't a pity party, don't worry. But I did ask myself the question, six years ago, I remember writing, Lord, um, I feel there's an intercessor um, thing that I need to press into. And if I look at the last six years, can I really say that I've taken hold of those things that God has awakened in my spirit six years ago? Not fully. And we can make excuses and we can throw around Christianese, yeah, but it's not works, it's by faith and all of these things. But there's also a place where my flesh is very strong where I don't want to wake up early and pray, where comforts take hold of our lives, and instead of going to bed early so that you can wake up early, uh, you watch another series or another movie, or whatever it might be that feeds your flesh. Oh, flesh, let us be entertained. In the beginning of the week um, on Monday, Marina shared a word with us as a staff in this picture that he saw of digging a hole to find water, and you do not stop until you find water. And friends, for us as a church, you see, the focus point of our faith is not the works. It's not what you and I can do for God. It's not the things we want God to come and do through us in the world. It's Jesus himself. We behold the lamb who was slain and we declare that he is worthy. It's Christ. 
And that water that we're digging for is nothing else but Jesus himself. And sometimes you dig and you find a little and it's enough just to parch your mouth. But there's streams of living water that God has destined for you. But if you don't keep on digging, you will not find it. You see, us as leaders in the church, we have a responsibility that Ephesians 4 speaks about to equip the saints for the work of ministry so that you will mature, so that you will grow up, so that you will become steadfast in your faith. But there is a limit to what we can do. We can set a platform as a prayer and fast week where you can participate and you can grow in your faith, but you can choose not to participate. You can come into this week and say, oh, the church is praying and fasting, but my life is too hectic right now, so I'm not going to do it. We can set the stage, but whether you grow spiritually, that's on you. I cannot pray on your behalf. I cannot fast on your behalf. I cannot read your Bible on your behalf. I cannot dig deeper to find the gushes of living water on your behalf. Whether you grow spiritually, that's on you. Whether you dig in, that's on you. Whether you press into the things that God has awakened in your spirit, that's on you. I was uh, reflecting on this as well. There's a lot of stuff that I reflected on this week. Um, we find ourselves in uncertain times, um, not just as a nation, but in the world. Um, if you um, have contemplated immigrating to Europe, don't lie, raise your hand, okay? <laughs> well, you just want to go on holiday to Europe, okay? Yeah. Um, they have an energy crisis as well, you know that. You know that Europe also has places of load shedding, we do not have the prerogative or the, um, the sole mandate for crisis in South Africa. <laughs> Globally, there's crisis because God is busy working all things into eternity. And in uncertain times, what do you need? Do you need more money so that you can put up your solar so that load shedding doesn't affect you? Do you need more time? You don't get more time, sorry. You need more freedom. Is there a limitation in your movement and you need maybe a bit more freedom in life? Do you need more wisdom so that you can make better decisions, so that you can maybe know a bit more where to invest and where not and what to say yes to, all of those things? Do you need more wisdom? Or are you absolutely confident and assured of the fact that you need Christ? When Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing, there wasn't an asterisk except you can budget, you can do this, you can do this. No, nothing meant nothing. Is there an absolute certainty in your soul this morning that apart from Christ, you can do nothing? Because friends, if you do not have a, a conviction in your heart that apart from Him, you can do nothing, you will not absolutely be dependent on Him. And dependency on Jesus needs to be learned. It needs to be trained. We pray and we fast so that we can train ourselves, as the word says, for godliness. My flesh is very strong. During this fast week, I, my phone has a focus mode. So I, um, I still have to work. But then I um, took off access to all the social media apps. Um, do you know how many times I was in a place of just waiting for something? And then I go to my phone and I'm like, Oh, I can't access Facebook right now. I can't access YouTube right now. 
You know how many times my flesh was instinctively going to certain places and it needs to be trained to think differently. It needs to be subdued to my spirit. And we need to train our flesh to submit to our spirit. That is why we fast. So that we can declare to our flesh, you are not in control. You are dependent on Jesus. I do not need food to live because I have the bread of life. We pray, we discipline ourselves for prayer because we declare to ourselves that I am dependent on Jesus. I need him more than I need anything else, more than I can rely on my own understanding and wisdom. I need Christ. We practice dependency on God. And what does it look like for you after this prayer and fast week? What are some things that you've maybe fasted of that you let go of that you should not pick up again? What are some things that you've maybe started in this past week that you should continue to do? Maybe you prayed more this past week. Is it not good for your flesh and your spirit to keep on praying more? Maybe you devoted yourself to read your Bible more this week. Is it not good for you to keep on doing that? Maybe you eliminated some distractions from your life, social media. There's a thing on your phone where you can see how, much, how many minutes you spent on certain apps. Um, some of you should not look at that because you will be very much condemned. And you are not condemned in Christ. Amen. You eliminated some distractions so that you can position yourself to hear better from your Father. Why would you not want to stay there? If you have the opportunity to hear God's voice better, why would you want to go back where you cannot? Uh, I want the... Where's Connelly? Thank you, friend. Um, I laid in bed last night. Um, so with us having a baby, there's a lot of change in our life, and I have to look at a, another bucky. There has to be a bucky because I like camping and all of that. But now we're looking around. And luckily, um, the, there's this incredible thing called a budget, <laughs> which, which limits what you can afford and cannot afford. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but now sometimes you see something that is maybe outside of your budget. Right? Anyone there? I've determined at least that my budget and my taste for looking at homes is about a million rand apart. So at least I know that. But so I, I saw a, a, a Bucky um, in Durban. It was a little bit out of the budget. So I phoned them and I negotiated. Um, and I said to them, this is how much I would want to pay. And then the guy came back and he says, well, they bought it a bit expensive, so they can't give it to me for that price, but they are willing to bring it down to this price. Now, it's still out of my budget, but I can make it work. But then I didn't have peace. Um, and this is something that I've really, really, really learned over the last couple of years, that I will not move apart from the peace of God. Even if it's the right decision, I don't care. If I don't have peace, I will not move. So now I'm laying in bed, um, and then one of the things that I didn't do this past week was go on AutoTrader and search for vehicles. Anyone like that? <laughs> you don't even need a car, and you find yourself searching on AutoTrader. Um, so, and, so yesterday I was like on AutoTrader again, and you know what happened? Anxiety built up in my heart, because again, I'm trying to fix this problem. Now I'm lying in bed, and that, th that car that they offered to me for a lower price, which I could have afforded, and it ticks all the boxes, 
It's sold. Because <laughs> I was still contemplating, huh, maybe we should do it. Now it's sold. I'm lying in bed, it's like, man, did I miss out now? Did I miss out? And I'm lying in bed, and this scripture speaks to me. Jesus says to me, you did not miss out on anything because you have the bread of life. You did not miss out on anything because you have the bread of life. Church, you can lose your job. You've not lost anything because you have the bread of life. You may even ultimately lose your life, but you have not lost anything because you have the bread of life, which leads into eternal life.